God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Kovoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, you know, we're, we're watching the news and the press, press briefings, whether it's Kirby or what, what, is, our, what is the White House press uh, that's replaced Saki? It's, it's a black woman. Oh, I'm, I'm forgetting her name right now. She's but a nice it, enough woman, but she doesn't have the answers for anything. Uh, so our temporary, I guess Saki's coming back. Well, but, yeah, because she's had uh, COVID. But what is her name? And um, uh, it's Karine Jean Pierre. Okay, Jean Pierre. So no, her first speak. name is Karine. Her last name is Jean Pierre. Yeah, Jean Pierre. She might speak French. She might. But uh, apparently, uh, Kamala Harris, who's twenty-eight percent in the approval ratings, is over in France for God knows what reason. I don't even know why she's there. But she's speaking with like this French accent. It's like, you know, when Hillary goes down south, she speaks with like a southern twang. Right. Or, you know, these politicians, always Democrat, too, by the way. They somehow think that if they can get down with the people, you know, and sell them snake oil, that they can somehow walk away with the sale. And I don't know why people fall into that. I mean, I, I talk to Democrats all the time. And they just continue to drink the Kool-Aid. They don't see a problem with Joe Biden. They don't see a problem with, you know, all these different issues that are plaguing our society. I mean, Tony Schaefer writes, the issues are these, supply chain failure due to Biden policies, record inflation caused by Biden policies, foreign policy debacle after debacle from Biden policies. Record high fuel and energy costs due to Biden policies. Joe Biden is the problem, not the solution. But yet you have even um, yeah, John Kerry as our liaison over in China. And they don't want to address the slave labor. They don't want to address the Uyghurs or the aggressiveness in Taiwan. And when the debate comes up as to 
who the tougher challenge is. General uh, Secretary John Kirby, who's the speaker for the Pentagon, I guess. Um, And he used to be also with the uh, State Department. But John Kirby's answering the question. He's like, they're both equal. How are they both equal? How in the world is climate change and the threat from China equal? Particularly, the question that doesn't get asked, even on Fox News, is the number one offender of climate change or climate, uh, you know, soot, you know, I mean, basically climate violations, if you want to call it that. I don't even know what the rules are. But China's the one that's polluting the earth more than anybody else. Absolutely. And they're, they're, they're putting up one coal fire plant after another. They're taking over where we used to dominate. We were energy independent, and now China, you know, is the one that's firing up the coal plants. And we're not allowed to do it. Tell that to the voters in West Virginia, for example. Joe Manchin, if it wasn't for Joe Manchin, we would be in big trouble right now. And Joe Manchin is that thread that we're hanging on until 2022 when we rip the Democrats to pieces. But in 2022, we're going to take back our Senate and our, our House. And we have a few patriots. I dare even call them patriots, really, because they voted to impeach President Trump without due process, without any other fairness whatsoever. So I'll hold them accountable for that, and they would never get my vote. But hey, you know, take what you can get. And right now, the Democrats control the Senate and the House. And they could do all they want in the House, but if it goes over to the Senate with Manchin and and and, um, and the uh, uh, senator from Arizona. Kristen Sinema? Sinema, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those two, those two are yeah. really, yeah. you know, because they're up for, they're up for re-election yeah. this 2022. Yeah. yeah. And they're trying to win in their state, and they know their state is red. That should tell you everything you want to know about Arizona and the fraud. Because Cinnamon knows that her state is red. Red red is red is uh what? Red is red a, is Santa Claus's suit. The red is Santa Claus's suit. I just came but, up with that. Yeah, they're red red is red is red. And the thing is Candy is that, Apple red. Yeah, but she knows it's red. Yeah. And that's why she's placating to the red. Right. To and, the conservatives, and, and she, and even though she is, and even though she is a Democrat, she's on come out on the conservative side of a number of issues, and she's been the victim of some of the liberal nut nuttiness, you know. So, you know, she's an interesting, she's an interesting uh, uh, politician, you know, you know, yeah. from her personal standpoint. Well, Senator Manchin said this: the threat posed by record inflation to the American people is not transitory. Meaning it's not a fleeting moment. It's not going up before it goes down. And it's instead getting worse. It's getting worse heading into the holidays. And so, you know, Biden had this speech he gave in front of um, the shipping lanes uh, in Baltimore yesterday. You know, at, down, down at the ship, shipping docks. And he lied to the American people on a number of fronts. He lied to them. 
about it says here uh, Kyle Barnson says Joe Biden claimed the wages are up. This is completely false. He's saying that the economy is so strong that's why the supply chain is having such problems. <laughs> The people don't have it. He, 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 he doesn't get it. He, then, he, he, then he's promised that it's all going to come back by the holidays because they're going to work overtime. Well, I, will, I hope so. You know, no, or, or, or else there'll be the Biden that stole Christmas. No, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I like think. he stole it last year, too. You know, I was looking at this map, you know, this map that was on Fox News. And I took a picture of it because I thought it was interesting. But, you know, they... Um, Biden's inflation crisis. Fuel is up 59%. Used cars. Used car. Anybody selling a used car? I know my dad has a, a nice little Cadillac that he's kept at the garage for many, many years. Yeah. He might want to reconsider selling that Cadillac. Just put $1,800 worth of tires on it and, and new brakes and, and all kinds of stuff. The car has... It's a pretty old car in terms of years, but the style is great. And he's kept it in the garage, and it's in mint condition. Has like 36,000 miles on it or something after 15 years. But in any case, mint condition. You'd think it was brand new, except for the electronic, like the stereo system doesn't have all the bells and whistles. But used cars is up 26%. Yeah. Steak. Steak is up 24%. And we just, just recently gave a gift. I just bought an Omaha Steaks gift for, for uh, friends and family who, yeah. who were there for me when I was yeah. in the hospital. And um, You got that in just in time before all the prices went through the I, roof. It still wasn't cheap. Let me still, tell you no, something. No, it still wasn't cheap. Can you, but can you imagine what that'll be I like soon? I could have bought the whole ultimate erector set for that money. <laughs> but instead, they weren't going to. They're adults. So. Well, well, they were very happy to receive it. In fact, there was some concern about cleaning out their freezer to get everything in. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it was a good gift. But, um, you know, steak is up. Bacon. Remember I was talking about bacon? Where's my bacon button, right? Yeah. Bacon, I was shopping on Instacart, and I saw Costco. It was $26. I, I think it may have been a three or four pack of bacon, but... It was still a lot of money. I was like, I remember that used to be like $18 not that long ago. Yeah. Um, I know it was in the teens. Yeah. The last time I bought it. And uh, it was a repeat purchase, you know. I was like, click on it, and I'm like, 26 $27. Oh, that's exactly right. Well, that's a good history for us is people who frequently order from like Instacart go or back Staples and see what you or something. You go back and you look and you say, oh, my God, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, laundry. Laundry appliances, fifteen percent. Eggs, eleven point six. You know, you know who cares the least about this? The richest of the rich, the right. top one percent, could care less about these hikes. And you know who else doesn't care? The people that are getting the um, food stamps and government aid, and the people that are getting handed three hundred fifty thousand dollars for breaking through our country illegally. <laughs> I mean that that is just insane. I mean, you know, think about they that. They don't care about these prices. <laughs> it's good because they get it all for free anyway. Right. Exactly. And the inflation just says, oh, the government's going to give you more now. Yeah. We're going to give you that 6%, 7%, 8% rate in inflation. You know, the next number uh, that I was going to quote is in Houston, inflation 6.1. Phoenix, 7.1%. Yeah. You know, the last time we saw this, though, um, was... Uh, you see these numbers, and it does impact elections. 
And uh, Atlanta, 7.9% inflation. What's interesting, though, is like San Francisco, where all the rich people live, inflation's only gone up 3.8 because I think they've already been hit with inflation. Yeah. Like, they can't well, go any higher. Well, the rich people live inside. You have all the poor people that live on the street. And, yeah. you know, Gavin Newsom, before he went MIA, was inviting everybody to come to San Francisco. <laughs> so Yeah, but now, you know, you have all this... This human feces on the street. Well, exactly. This is like well, well. You remember Occupy Wall Street, which happened in various cities uh, yeah. a decade ago. Well, you're seeing that again in in full force with people just living on the street, uh, defecating on cars, doing all that. That's that that's come back again. Somehow they're not afraid of COVID. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's it's just terrible what you see happening. So it's it's, it's amazing what the um, what the people don't know what the people in this administration don't know they're not giving you any answers and this is how they got through the whole uh election cycle you'd ask them questions they wouldn't give you any answers and you still ask them questions and they're like no we're not going to give you the answer to that like what is kamala harris doing in france for well they they just walk away from giving you answers they're i'm not going to answer that yeah and it's like, wait, you work for me. I'm your boss. Well, Get back I, here, stand in attention, well, I think or you're fired. Well, I think that's an important thing that we have to you know, understand, that when you take a role in government at whatever level, it, it's service. And people come into government, many people, I mean, President Trump is, uh, you know, is this shining example, walk away from a lot more money to do service for the country. And then, but then you have these other people that come in and get rich on being the president. But yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, no, this uh, opaqueness, this shutting down conversation, this not letting people and ask questions. the media still endorses this yeah. type of behavior. They, they, they love it. They, they do. They kiss their ring. Let's listen to uh, Kamala Harris's French speak. And uh, I guess you read something. In, I read, um, yeah. And then, and then when she does her French speak, I'll do my rebuttal. Yeah, hold on. Here it is. With us in government, we campaign with the plan. Uppercase T, uppercase P, the plan. And then the environment is such that we're expected to defend the plan. Even when the first time we roll it out, there may be some glitches and it's time to reevaluate and then do it again. So if that's not insulting. I don't even know what is. I mean, well, mocking them. Well, she's mock. She's not. She's not uh, doing actually what Hillary Clinton was doing. She's mm. almost like mocking them. But uh, yeah, I, let me let me let me give you a different version of French. Um, uh, selon les échos, à Paris, Kamala Harris soigne sa stature internationale alors que les difficultés se multiplient pour Joe Biden. Sa présidente doit travailler sa stature de président. Diable, tout en affichant sa loyauté envers le président, son voyage en France cette semaine est l'occasion pour elle de s'affirmer sur la scène internationale. This comes from a publication called Les Echoes, and the headline you, is... You get, you get the alerts on the French. You, well, you actually read the French. I read. I like to read Le Figaro. This is actually Les Echoes, which is a different publication. But in it, um, and Le Figaro, Le Figaro, I started reading when I was a student a uh, long, long time ago. It, it's a... Well, more, you went to the... What was it? Uh, the, well, I did a French... I did what, a fr- what is the school over there? Uh, well, I did... I was a fr- in a French program abroad. Uh, an American program abroad, but I was able What's to take several. Uh, well, I'm going to say it in a minute. I was able to take uh, several courses at 
two well-known French universities. One is La Sorbonne, La which, Sorbonne uh, yeah. which is which is, and then also uh, the Institute of Political Studies, which is more popularly known as Sciences Po. Okay, which is very prestigious, a political school uh, so where you study political science. Okay, so let me just tell you what this uh, headline basically said. So in Paris, Kamala Harris is cleaning uh, or she's washing her her international stature. Okay, when the difficult as the difficulties are multiplying for Joe Biden, his vice president is. You know, working on her presidential stature, she while at the same time displaying her loyalty towards the president. Her voyage to France this week is an occasion for her to affirm herself on the international scene. So, the, so this is according to the French press. They're all saying they see what's going on. They see Camilla Harris going out there trying to put herself out there. She's there for like five days. I mean, for her to go out there and try to display herself as a future candidate that's what this is all about while trying to also balance uh, uh, you know a uh, surface attempt to show loyalty to to her well, you know, she's current standing, superior she's standing before a bunch of scientists right yeah and here she is she she loses the french accent and she starts speaking to the scientists as if they're first graders yeah now watch she's going to tell them what a hypothesis is <laughs> it's incredible yeah. These scientists are standing around getting a lecture from this moron. <laughs> One of the things I think people in politics and um, government should really take from the approach of scientists. Scientists operate with a hypothesis. I love that. A hypothesis. It's well thought out. It's well planned. They start out with a hypothesis. And then they test it out. Knowing, invariably, you're trying something for the first time, there will be glitches, there will be mistakes. Then everyone gets together, no one gets beat up about it. You analyze it, what went wrong, reevaluate, update the hypothesis, and start again. One of the things I think people in politics... Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's second grade stuff. Yeah. Why is she wasting their time? I don't know. I mean, what is she over there to talk about? Well, well that's the whole Climate point. Change? No, she's over there, Scott. She's over there to do what I just said. She's yeah. over there to polish her image on the international stage. And she's also there, I mean, you know, for a ceremonial reason. She went there on Veterans Day. She's also meeting with the Macrons. She's, you know, she's doing... So here, here's more on Joe Biden asking the question, did you ever think we'd be paying this much for a gallon of gas? Did you ever think that? No, Joe. No, Joe. No. Not until you so came into office. Paying this much for a gallon of gas? In some parts of California, they're paying four dollars fifty cents a gallon. Yeah, yeah, I wonder why that is, Joe. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Aren't you the president right now? <laughs> oh my God, I, I just can't get over uh, how ridiculously stupid. Yeah. This um, administration is. They're not giving any answers. You know, John Kirby was asked the question, how many people are left behind in Afghanistan? And they don't know. Maybe a couple of dozen. I mean, you should know to the the number exactly how many people. You should be working with every single American. Well, they should call us and let us know that they're there. I mean, that is just absolute, you know, complete, utter... Uh, incompetence, and then you got what's the name of the uh, press speaker? 
What's um, the French name? Karine Jean-Pierre. And by the way, I'm pretty sure she speaks French. She was born in Martinique. Yeah, no, and she's, you know, looks like a fun woman to hang out with, pretty woman, you know, <laughs> has, a, has a chipper, chippy uh, well, she, personality. She's chip, she's chip, uh, I like she's, her better than Jen Psaki. She's cheery, yeah. Well, yeah. Jen Psaki just goes up there and she kind of just like has this awful expression on her face every day Kaylee McEnany if did you ever notice how she used to do this when she used to put her hand out to point to somebody to uh, let them ask a question she used to smile yeah you know like she was happy they were asking the question well, not the, so the, which and, and this woman um, does have a bit of a like a uh, positive yes energy aura about her yeah. but she has no answers listen and this is not her fault this is the fault of the administration I don't have a specific number for you. I don't have a timeline on the study. I'm not going to comment on that from here. I, I don't have any outreach to speak to at this moment. Um, I, I don't have anything for you. I don't have any news or any uh, schedule. I, I don't. I would. <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't have anything more to read out. That's all I have for you guys. Thank you. They have nothing to offer. Yeah. They have nothing to offer the taxpayers who actually pay their salaries. Yeah. And uh, I guess recently, it was yesterday or the day before, they had the uh, science guy Bill Nye meeting with Joe mm-hmm. Biden in the White House. This yeah. guy doesn't even have a science degree. Yeah. And he, Bill Nye is the guy they call to the White House. A radical Uber left winger yeah. who spills nothing but climate change BS. And that is who... You know, and they're, 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 I imagine they're figuring out how to spin. Yeah. Because this is a showman that knows how to spin with his bow tie, you know? And here's General John, uh, Secretary John Kirby. John, can you please update us on the, on the number of uh, immediate family members of U.S. service members in Afghanistan? Family members. How many family uh, update members? Update you in the number? Yeah. I don't have I a don't whole have number, a number on that. No. Okay, so, I mean, the withdrawal ended on August 30th. And it's today is November tenth. Uh, I mean, how is it possible that, that the department doesn't know how many immediate family members are still left? I think so, in Afghanistan. I didn't say we didn't know. I said I don't have a number for you. We believe it's uh, certainly uh, most likely in the dozens. Uh, but one of the reasons we put the memo out last week was to encourage service members to come forward. It's a dynamic thing, Fadi. I mean, you make it sound like a snap on a chalk line and boom, you got to know all the, you got to know every number. That's not even true for American citizens as other as American citizens well, yeah, in Afghanistan continue to come forward because the, maybe they've changed their yeah. mind. Maybe they didn't want out by August 30th and maybe now they do. And so the number has is changed a little bit. Um, we're working this as hard as we can. We take the obligation seriously to our people and to their families. And, we're, and that's why we put the advisory out to the services last week to give them a place, a portal, where they can go to put information on, on there that we can then share with our State Department colleagues to get them out. We're going to stay at this. Uh, I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. The military mission in Afghanistan is over. But the mission itself to continue to, to get... Uh, our people out, out of Afghanistan and back home or, or to their new homes in the United States is not over, and we're going to continue to work inside the interagency to do that. I understand uh, and appreciate all, all of that, but the question remains. These are, these are immediate family members of U.S. service members in Afghanistan. While many Afghans who have no relatives in the U.S. were evacuated a long time ago, 
the department up until last week did not issue a memo or consider it this issue. I mean, don't you think it's that doesn't it's mean late in the process? So you shouldn't, don't you think this should have been a priority to begin with? It because was a priority. Fadi, let me answer your question, yeah. please. No, no, I'm just trying to explain. I, I know that. I get it. But we did take it as a serious priority. So, you know, here's the thing. Many people with friends and family that are over in Afghanistan tell a completely different story. Yes. That people are pleading, do you know anybody that can help me? Can yeah. you please help me? Yeah. And it's not like it's that way. These are not people that are just all of a sudden change their mind and want to go home. These are people that are pleading, how can I get in touch with somebody to let them know I'm here? Yeah. It's a whole different story. Yeah. Marcus Luttrell was just talking about it this morning. Yeah. And talking about how he knows somebody who's just pleading with him. Do you yeah. know anybody? Is there anything yeah. you can do to help me get out of this hellhole? And so I don't, I don't find that that rings sincere, that whole Kirby thing. And then here is a woman talking about the slave labor markets to John Kerry, who basically could care less because he's more concerned about developing a partnership with climate uh, on climate change with China. So he's over in China, and you know he's not talking about climate change because they're building coal fire plants left and right. They're, they're um, building more industry and manufacturing than ever before. They're building up their military like there's no tomorrow. They're polluting the earth. They're building these islands. And they're, uh, you know, basically taking over Hong Kong. They're taking over uh, the, the area that was uh, dominated by the Uyghurs. Yeah. Uh, and using them as slave labor. Forced labor, they call it. Forced labor. Slave labor. We talk about this. And we tell people, this is why CNN and MSNBC are on board with the liberals because it results in advertising dollars by the Fortune 50 companies that are multinational corporations. Because these multinational corporations, whether it's Nike or Apple, are basically profiting from this forced slave labor that this woman you're going to hear is, is talking about. And so what we need to do is we need to fight back against this if we have any humanity left in us at all. And here it is. Let's take a listen. How in, your, in the several months of meetings uh, behind the scenes with China, did you bring up some of those very contentious issues, um, such as use, the use of forced labor in Xinjiang for, uh, for building solar panels? How did you address it, and how did you kind of overcome that in reaching this final? Well, we're honest. We're honest about the differences, and we certainly know uh, what they are, and we've articulated them. And, but that's not my lane here. That's uh, my job is to be the climate guy. How in, your, in the several months of meetings uh, behind the scenes with China, did you bring up some of those very contentious issues, um, such as use, the use of forced labor? See, use of forced labor. Yeah. I, play, I allowed that to play over again, that one yeah. first part, because he's saying, I'm just in my lane here. Yeah. And he's talking about climate change. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, everybody knows that you can't make a dent in climate change with the United States doing everything it can wouldn't put a dent in climate change without a part without a useful partnership with 
with China. Now, if you think John Kerry is going to get the job done, no, John Kerry is going to get secret contracts done that basically he's going to pick up where Hunter Biden left off. Remember when Hunter Biden used to take the uh, Air Force Two and Air Force One <laughs> along with Papa? Yeah, Air Force Two, the vice president's plane. Yep. And go to China and come back with $1.5 billion guarantees and investment in certain deals that made them rich. And they swept those stories under the ground. Who's going to research that? Who's going to investigate it? Where's the justice? Yeah. You know, I was speaking with a libtard yesterday who, who basically, you know, throws up J6 as an insurrection. It's because he's watching in, is CNN and MSNBC. And they're telling them still, you know, that the Russian hoax wasn't a hoax. They're, the, the Adam Schiff was correct. I mean, this is the chapter they're on. And when it comes to these type of issues, they're morons. They're sheer morons without information. Completely. True. These liberals are basically gather, you know, consuming Kool-Aid news sponsored by corporations that exploit slave labor markets in China. That are polluting the earth worse than the United States ever could possibly try to. And they act like they care about the environment, which is why the Line 5 uh, pipeline is in jeopardy. You know, there was just a doc, they've been talking a lot about this Toledo refinery yeah. that makes, uh, you know, all kinds of vinyl and all kinds of tires and. All kinds of things that these oils and these petroleum products are, you know, used to make. So this is going to, you talk about supply chain. You know, this supply chain is designed, if you look at eggs, steak, bacon, all these things that the middle class relies on to feed their family in a well-balanced diet. You know, these are the people that are getting hit the hardest, suffering the most. And and just not to belabor the point, but fuel impacts everything. It impacts the delivery of items. And, and, you know, when you couple that with high fuel prices, with vaccine mandates, where you have people losing their jobs, and then you have a labor shortage because people will re- refuse to take the jab for, you know, what they consider to be legitimate reasons, you're, then you're, you're going to run into a problem on all cylinders, not not to make a pun about it. And and that and that's going to continue to cause problems at the, um, at the end of the year. I mean, there, there's been all types of paper shortages etc for you know for marketing purposes because yeah. we you know the shortages are continuing to abound and now we're really seeing you know in- inflation going up like a rocket ship and here's biden uh on his uh, hope and prayer for uh, uh a recovery by the holidays so we don't have empty shelves when we go to buy gifts for our children right and here's the good news yesterday I spoke with the CEOs personally. Spoke. Okay, so this is the good news, is what this he is says. This is the good news. This okay. is the good news. He spoke with somebody who promised him. That's the good news. Whether it happens or not, which it won't, uh, but this is the good news. And here's the good news. Yesterday, I spoke with the CEOs personally. I spoke with the CEOs of the major retailers, Walmart, Target, 
and the leading freight movers, FedEx and UPS. They assured me that the shelves will be stocked in stores this holiday because they signed on a 24-7 as well. They signed on 24-7. And they provide more avenues. They're getting more of their containers off the ports quicker than ever before. Because a lot of stuff on the ports that was sitting around, staying there. Why? Because it no longer was the product they need at this moment. And it doesn't cost them anything to leave them sitting at the port rather than in their warehouse. That's moving as well. And here... <laughs> yeah, the back... <laughs> There's so many flaws with that statement. I mean, the backlog. Where are the where are the ships coming in going to going to be able to st- station themselves? Yeah. If, if if they're you know off the port of Los Angeles, which is where he probably should have gone, instead of the port of Baltimore. Yeah. Speaking of locale, right? That's, yeah. Uh, he doesn't like to travel far from home, apparently. But um, DeSantis said, you know, we're going to take these people that get shipped into our state in the middle of the night. And we're going to ship them to Delaware. Why not? <laughs> you know, I mean, suddenly that, Delaware is going to become an overpopulated it, state. Well, when the when the politicians when the politicians start to feel the pain, right? Yeah. When they start to feel the pain, that's when uh, that's when you're going to. Um, I think it's that. I think it's at that moment that uh, when they start to feel the pain. Uh, is when they start to act accordingly, yeah. you know, to in, in the best interest, and that's why it's always been a problem because they never not lost their paycheck during COVID, right? Yeah. And they didn't have to live by the rules that they set. Just look at Nancy Pelosi in the salon or 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 in the Getty party. Um, they live by their own set of rules, rules for thee, uh, but not for me. Yeah. Right. Um, I finally got that expression right. right. I, I always had dyslexic, dyxle- dyslexia with that. Oh, yeah. Or you call oral dyslexia. Oral dyslexia, yeah. Wheels for thee, but not for me. No, but you know, I, I want to talk do about Do as it. I say, not as I do. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know poor Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. 14 year old, right? 15 probably now. Crying on the witness stand. Yeah. The prosecutors uh, seem to be trying to exploit. I love the um, exchange when they said, and we did not try to change your statement. And the guy said, yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, You did try to change my statement. What are the prosecutors doing trying to twist and turn and gain uh, some leverage? And why are they trying to dox the jury? Yeah. And and finally, uh, the judge in the case yeah, um, had it with the prosecutors and the prosecutors brought up things that were not admissible in in front of the jury and they did it anyway which basically uh, couldn't result in a mistrial if it's egregious enough and then it's uh, with prejudice or without prejudice basically I think with prejudice means intentionally you did it maliciously and right. intentionally Either to not take a loss and basically get a mistrial, not, not even try again, knowing you can't win the case, but then say, well, if it wasn't for the mistrial, we would have won our case, <laughs> right? So you have that saving grace. So if it's with prejudice, it means it was done intentionally, and so it's as if 
you can't get another bite at the apple, double, je- double jeopardy, and you can't try this case again. If it's without prejudice, you could retry the case, maybe with a new prosecutor. So it's kind of interesting in, in this case what the prosecuting team seems to be up to. But I, I just think that they probably should do a mistrial with prejudice. I agree. Um, I think that the uh, prosecutor's case is, is a flawed case. But in a case that's this uh, this this sensational and and, uh, and this with the level of uh, potential bias, you know, with the the, the uh, pol- politics that's entered the arena. And with the doxing and the fear mongering and the, and the basically the threats uh, that are going on, you don't know what the jury is going to be able to do. I doubt that they would get a consensus in a jury anyway. It would be a mistrial anyway. Uh, the jury, I, I don't think they can get nine. Was it twelve jury members? It's yeah, twelve it's angry men. Twelve angry men. Yeah. So I don't Good think film. you can get all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can get all twelve people. Uh, in a consensus on this case anyway. I think that's impossible to do. Especially when the footage and every single piece of evidence, even including the prosecutor's evidence, goes toward Kyle Rittenhouse. But that didn't stop Joe Biden from suggesting that Rittenhouse and his cohorts were white supremacists. Yeah. How, how do you like that? I mean, it, that is just incredible. Because this goes back to the rioting that was in Milwaukee and the rioting that was just all over the place back then. Uh, nonsensical rioting. Yeah. And these people never, ever got thrown in jail like the people from January 6th did, who were still rotting in jail, who were dying from diseases, poor diet, not getting their medical treatment not getting proper attention to their medical needs. It's absolutely absurd. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, having having been in D.C. that day, although not at the um, actual event, although a good friend of mine, a couple of good friends, friends of mine were there, I mean, I heard firsthand that people were not violent. Um, now, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to go 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 over this all in excruciating detail, but I do think that there was a misunderstanding of what actually took place. That there were paid actors there. There were there was there were people there that uh, were disturbed individuals on both sides. But on the other hand, there were signs. I, I think you may recall my talking about the Scott at the time bus. Uh, Shelters had signs. If you find a person who was involved with January 6th, turn them in. I mean, for a a while, I saw those signs. And so there was something about that event in which um, people were mistreated and and again we still to this day we have the whole ashley bobbitt situation yeah where why why didn't anybody get where's the justice for ashley well marjorie taylor green actually went down there and yeah. spoke with some of the prisoners that are still locked up yeah for what for being escorted into the capitol building by the capitol police that are obviously corrupt and in nancy pelosi's pocket and uh let's take a listen it's there religion until they get vaccinated. And I apologize for, for the squeakiness in the audio. Are you allowed to have religious services? No, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene. We do our own. I submitted for communion last week and they said the only way to get communion is to get vaccinated, which is against our First Amendment rights. So they're prohibiting us from practicing our religion. Just so we can get the vaccine. 
Other inmates said they're not allowed to see their families. They were pushed to disavow Donald Trump. Some said they couldn't go outside more than twice a week. It goes on. Here's more. Are you able to talk to your family members or see your family members? No. 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 I haven't seen my family's faces in all year. All year. I haven't seen my family's faces since April. Do you feel like you're being treated fairly? Nope. No. no. Considering all the violence, the actual violence that our media excused for over a year, it's pretty amazing that nobody cares what's happened to these people. And of course, a lot of members of Congress are applauding this. Liz Cheney, for example. She was just asked the obvious question. If you really want to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th, did the federal government have any role? There were a lot of people there. Were any of them working for the feds? Well, you're not allowed to ask that. Here's Liz Cheney. You know, it's the same kind of thing that you hear from people who say that 9-11 was an inside job, for example. It is, um, it, it's, it's un-American uh, to be spreading those kinds of lies, uh, and they are lies. And, and we have an obligation that goes beyond partisanship uh, and, and an obligation that we share, Democrats and Republicans together, to make sure that we understand every single piece of the facts about uh, what happened that day uh, and to make sure the people who did it are held accountable. Um, and uh, to call it a false flag operation to spread those kinds of lies is really dangerous. Uh-huh. So the weapons of mass destruction lady is accusing other people <laughs> of lying. Got it. And we need to get to the bottom of it, but how dare you ask questions about it because that's un-American. Well, we're going to continue to ask questions about it because she's not in charge. Marjorie Taylor Greene is also a member of Congress. She's from Georgia. She took the time to find out what's going on. She joins us tonight. Congresswoman, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I know you saw a lot there. You gathered a lot of information. But sum up your sense of how these Americans are being treated in custody. Well, apparently it's patriot hunting season ever since January 20th, Tucker. You see, I can't believe what's happening in our country. We saw a whole year of riots where Antifa and BLM rioters were burning down cities businesses, attacking people on the streets, and even killing brave uh, retired police officers like David Dorn. But yet people went to the Capitol uh, using their First Amendment, and then some of them did get involved in a riot. But what I saw Thursday night when I went to the D.C. jail after months of persistence trying to get in just to see what was happening in there because of the terrible rumors that were coming out of that jail, everything that I've heard I found out was true. You see, these people are being held. They were held for four months, 23 in one, 23 hours a day in solitary confinement in their cell, one hour out. Then it followed by two months, 22 and two, 22 hours in their cell, two hours out. And now they're able to be out five hours at a time if they're on good behavior. But you see, if they're not vaccinated, they can't get a haircut, they can't shave. They're given Nair to chemically remove their hair instead of be able to get a haircut. If they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to go to chapel. If they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to have communion. You see, even in jail, in prison, unvaccinated people are treated like second-class citizens. But it's worse than just that. They haven't seen their family members since they've been arrested. They aren't able to talk to their attorneys when they want to. The food that they're given is not good food. Many of them are sick. There's several men in there that really need medical treatment. They're being denied 
there's an elderly man in the jail whose hand is purple and his thumb is black, and they begged me to get him out of there. They're really suffering. They're being treated badly. And Tucker, here's the, here's the worst part. These are pretrial defendants, and they're not allowed to bail out. And they're told they have to denounce President Trump and what they believe if they want to make bail. And so it's outrageous that Americans can be treated this way. And every single American should be upset over this because, you know, I ran for Congress because I don't trust our government. And now that I'm a member of Congress and after I've seen everything I've seen, I don't even trust our government. It, it's, it's worse than it was before. Yeah. I mean, none of this is proportionate to what they've been accused of doing. And people like Liz Cheney defend it. She'd drone them if she could. Uh, we'll oh, she, she would. Does. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Liz Cheney would like to take them down. She sees them as some kind of lower class. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Thank goodness for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, she's, uh, she's definitely outspoken. <laughs> and we need that. Yep. We, need, we need that kind of... Well, because there's stories that don't get told, and I think people need to be aware of injustices that are not getting... Uh, sunlight on them so you know what what happened on january 6th and i have a feeling that as we get closer to january 6th the big deal is going to be made about it once again but hopefully the big deal will will do something to help those people that are still locked up or to right some of the injustices that actually happened that day versus um you know what was perceived as a you know as a crime which actually was in many ways not a crime so again there were some bad apples but you but you can't can't, you know, destroy the whole bunch for a few bad apples. You know, there's, you know, we just have to continue to look at these situations honestly and get all the information and not, you know, fall prey to a media, media bias, which is what's happening and, you know, not hearing the full story about a day like January 6th. Because like I said, yeah. I know several people that were there that day, people I'm either friends with or one person I worked with. And I heard a whole different story than what the left stream media was saying. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we had one of our close friend, dear friends, on uh, our show in studio, and then she was there. Yeah, and she was and there. Another close friend was there. Uh, a, a former colleague of mine was there. I knew several people that were there, and you know, and I spoke to them afterwards or saw them afterwards. This is the same people that are rioting in the streets, tearing down statues, burning down buildings. And, you know, I, I kind of like what Eric Adams is doing in New York. He's uh, putting back the, um, the, uh, uh, this uh, uh, crimes force. Uh, and, and now he's being threatened by Black Lives Matter leaders yeah. uh, because they want to they control the violence yeah. in the city. Uh, and Eric Adams, basically a former police officer, liberal, yeah. and he denounced the police back in the day. But all of a sudden, he's kind of doing some of the right things. Yeah. So, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. It was a surprise. But, you know, the same people that perpetrated, you know, Jake Sullivan. Yeah. I, I've been talking about Jake Sullivan for years. And I said he is one of the villains. He worked with Eric Ciaramella, the so-called whistleblower. He worked with Mar Michael Carpenter. Um, who and he worked with uh, Toria Newland, Victoria yeah. Newland. They call her Toria in the State Department. But um, they were all working with Christopher Steele, and they weren't working with Christopher Steele like vetting him or questioning him. They were working with Christopher Steele to coordinate and collude with him, and that's the problem. 
But Michael Carpenter, when uh, Joe Biden was bragging that he, you know, basically got Victor Shokin fired, uh, otherwise he was going to withhold a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Remember that famous video clip, yep. audio clip? Yep. Um, well, sitting to uh, Joe Biden's right was Michael Carpenter. Michael Carpenter worked with Jake Sullivan and worked with Eric Ciaramella in Italy and elsewhere, where a lot of this all originated. And um, they were in on all of this stuff. And now, you know, uh, Jake Sullivan's getting indicted just like Danchenko did. Uh, So we'll see where that goes. Steve Miller has the best take on this. And I wanted you to take a listen to what Steve Miller has to say. He's one of my favorite Trump loyalists. And I think he's a really smart young man that has a lot to say. His reaction. Stephen, you must remember back in the day, all your colleagues wasting hours with depositions spending countless dollars on lawyers and handing over all their devices turns out they were being framed by their own countrymen and by their own government for being traitors what was that like well you're correct jesse they were framed they were framed by an unelected aristocracy known as the deep state and most importantly of all that deep state was trying to overthrow the elected president of the United States, Donald Trump. And this indictment brings it right to the doorstep of Hillary Clinton. It brings it right to the doorstep of the Clinton campaign and the Democrat Party. And I hope that Durham will investigate those links, and I hope he will take Hillary Clinton for hours of questioning, and I hope that when Republicans, if they do take back the majority, will call Hillary and her senior aides up to Capitol Hill to decode this, because this was a theft from the American people. They elected their president, his time, his energy, and that of his staffers were stolen. Thousands upon thousands of hours were stolen by rogue bureaucrats working in our intelligence services, in the FBI, and across the government to impose their will over the will of the American people. I am enraged, and I hope all decent Americans are enraged at these discoveries. You know, that, that's his words right out of my mouth. I said this years ago. I said, um, when this is happening, I said, the crime of this whole thing is the time that President Trump has had to spend defending himself on a hoax. That's highway robbery. Because we, uh, the people, have elected, you know, him. elected him and we deserve a president's full attention. So we didn't get a full four years. No, we didn't. Every it, other president got four years. They got a honeymoon period. They got, you know, uh, nice praise from the press for his first hundred days. Trump got none of that. Trump got basically this Russian hoax thrown at him. And it's sad that we are in a country where people could do that in Washington, D.C., where they did nothing but uh, try to slow down the wheels of government to slow down the Trump agenda. And I spoke with uh, a State Department official not long ago uh, who basically said, when I asked the question, um, and I asked this question with his utmost sincerity, I said, um, have things changed in the wheels of government uh, given the um, transition between from one administration to another? And this is a person that thinks that Trump is a neo-Nazi, that Trump 
is the worst thing that ever happened to America, that Trump should be thrown in jail for life. This is a person that works in the State Department that literally hates Trump with a passion. And I knew what his libtarded answer was going to be. It was going to be, yes, we are smoother and work smoother. Well, guess what? I'm thinking the, the wheels of bureaucracy should be apolitical. They shouldn't move any faster or any slower, regardless of what administration is in the White House. But sure enough, he failed that test by answering, yes, we are a smoother operation now, meaning that we work harder and cut some corners to make things flow faster than uh, they know, uh, with, with uh, Biden in the White House than perhaps Trump, because with Trump, we were reluctant to push his policies. And so we would move things slower, get things lost in the file drum, or whatever it is. But these were the types of things that Trump Trump was dealing with. And I think it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs when we have a government where the wheels of bureaucracy move slower when there's a president that they dislike than uh, a president that they like, where they're more cooperative, they put forth a better effort. Of course. you know. And I would have loved to have heard the answer, and I was hoping that that lip-tarded uh, person's answer was going to be something other, something like, no, um, what we do is very much independent from the White House, and what we do uh, is we do our work uh, regardless of who's in the White House. You know, that the, wheel, the wheels of bureaucracy are unchanged by who's in the White House. That's not the case. And so... I think we need to, based on those types of things, we need to decentralize our government because I don't think the people, the libtards in D.C., which represents 97% of the population in D.C., according to the election results, I think that they, they have failed themselves and their oath. And I think that we need to decentralize Washington, D.C. and make the wheels of government spin throughout our country in every state amen yeah and with that my that brings us to the end of our show you're you are listening to the scott adams show my name is scott adams my name is leonora Cravota, and happy veterans day oh happy veterans day everybody we almost missed that and you know that was how we were going to open the show too with veterans appreciation day uh we uh, uh value our veterans for sure uh, but with that, my name is Scott Adams, and, and I'm joined by Leonora. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.